appreciated Jerry's reminder about the edification weekend coming up on Saturday. And I think it's going to be a good weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing Jake and having him with us Saturday and Sunday. Jake is the preacher for the Piedmont Road congregation where I was at. He, he came, I'm trying to remember, I think it was September of 2019. And so I worked with him from September to December and uh, enjoyed our time together. He came down to be a co-worker with me and to focus his attention on our education program. And then when I left, he uh, decided that he wanted to be back in the pulpit and the elders were happy to have him there. And so they transitioned him into the pulpit and they've recently hired someone uh, to fulfill more of an education role where he was serving. And so I'm looking forward to him joining us. He's a good guy, good preacher, good sharer, uh, and an encourager. So I think we'll enjoy our time together. I would say that on this weekend, if we could, and maybe this is something we could do going forward, we could solve the issue of the mighty gulf that is fixed bet betwixt us. Uh, there is quite a gulf here and here. And it's like that every week. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not just today. It's always that way. And uh, I think that especially on an edification weekend, we could pretend like we liked one another. And uh, we could get a little closer together. And I think maybe it would be good for us. I know that I, I would enjoy that. And I think it's always easier for the speaker not to feel so far away from us. I'm going to invite you to open your Bible to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and we're going to look at this entire chapter tonight, just 10 verses. Again, it's one of those sections of the scripture that is short, but there's so much here, just so much content. Ecclesiastes, as you're turning here, Ecclesiastes is the preacher's book, so I'm kind of drawn to it. Um, we'll see what we can pull out of it. I want us to read these 10 verses. It won't take us long, but I want us to read these 10 verses, and as we read them, we're going to key in on some words together. And I will mention the words, and then you can choose whether or not you'd like to underline or circle them, um, but I believe they're, they're key words to what we're going to be looking at together. Verse number one. And of course, for this to work right, you have to have a King James Version. If you don't, good luck. Um, verse 1, cast, underline it if you have that word. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give, there's another word to underline, a portion to seven and also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the cloud shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb, or herd that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow, underline that word, in the morning sow thy seed. And in the evening, 
withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether uh, shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Truly the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice, circle that word, rejoice in them all, yet let them or let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that come is vanity. Rejoice. Circle that word. O young man in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer. Circle that word. Thee in the days of thy youth, and walk, underline it, in the ways of thine heart, and in thy sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore, Remove sorrow from thy heart, and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. You may be asking, after seeing that last word there in chapter 11, why didn't you have us underscore the word vanity? Vanity is a key word in Solomon's writing. Um, vanity of vanities, all is van emptiness. Well, that's not the focus. If you look at chapter 11, if you, if you watched it carefully, the, the focus is really on two concepts. Do good, be happy. Those are the two concepts of the chapter. Do good, be happy. Another way of saying it is, obey, and have joy. Joy, probably a better word there than the word happy. Now what I would like for you to do is, I'd like for you to write down three words in the margin of your Bible. The first word, and if you think I'm pushy about this, now some of you laugh, so you must think that, um, but if you think I'm pushy about it, I'm not making you write in your Bible. If you've got a notepad, Write it on your notepad. If you have a pen and flesh, write it on your hand. And if you don't like it on your hand, it will wash off, unless you're using a Sharpie, and that'll be extra work for you, but you probably needed a bath anyway. So three words. The first one, live. The second word, cheer. The third word, holy, live, cheer, and holy. Those are the three words that we're going to use now as the main points of our study. The word live is connected to verses 1 and 2. And so for emphasis, we go back and look at those two verses. Cast your bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. There are different ways to live. We can live benevolently, or we can live selfishly. We could really summarize life under those two umbrella terms. Benevolently or selfishly. In other words, as we're living life, we are living it in view of other people, servants, 
what Jesus wanted us to be, or we can live it in view of ourselves, selfish. What can, I, what can life give to me? What does life owe me? What do I owe God in life? What does God life owe me? Now, which of those sounds right? I think we know. In verses 1 and 2, what the writer is saying is, take a chance. Take a chance. Take a risk. Throw your bread upon the water. And you say, well, what chance is there in that? You throw your bread on the water, what's going to happen to your bread? Well, it's going to dissolve and it's basically going to become useless. Yes, I understand that. But if you take verse 1 and verse 2 within its context, it's as if it's saying, take a chance on people. Take a chance on people. Invest in people. And when we invest in people, we are bound to, over the course of life, get a return on that investment. Now, I know what happens. And he's going to deal with this a little bit later. But we go ahead and mention it in passing. But I know what happens. And what happens is we make an investment in somebody or maybe in a group of somebodies, and we don't see an immediate return on that investment. People, they let us down. And they always will. <laughs> right? It's going to happen. But people that we make an investment in, they let us down, and therefore what happens? We stop investing in people. And then how does that make us feel in the long run? Not too good. But what he's saying is, he's saying, invest in people. Give a portion to seven, also to eight. In other words, don't stop. Seven being a number of perfection, eight being one beyond perfection. You don't stop. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. Invest in people now. You don't know what's coming. And guess what? What goes around comes around. We often think about that in negative terms. Well, they'll get theirs. Well, we'll get ours. When we invest in people in a positive way, that seems to come back around to us. And so live. Live in view of others. Serve others. Be benevolent toward others. And then verse 3 through 6. It's the word cheer. The word cheer. If the clouds be full of rain and they empty themselves upon the earth and if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north in the place where the tree falleth there it's going to be. He that observes the wind shall not sow, and he that regards the clouds shall not reap. Now what is he talking about? Sometimes people, they just kind of stand outside and they, they look up at the, at the rain clouds, and then they watch those 
clouds start to empty and the rain begin to drop. And, and as the rain falls on the earth, well, man, what a mess that's making of things. Today, I wanted to plant the garden. Today, I wanted to cut the grass. Today, I wanted to paint the house. Today, I wanted to wash the car. Today, I want whatever. So many things that you wanted to do. But you ended up not doing any of them because the rain was falling. Are there not things to do inside the house? Are there not places to go beyond the house and things to enjoy? What about these, what about these um, trees that have fallen? They fall in different directions, north, south. And when they fall, there they are. What are you going to do about that? Nothing. You can't do anything about it. And then what about in verse 5? As you know not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. So these bones that are growing in the womb, you know, there are a lot of things that we know now because of technology like ultrasounds. And, and my, haven't ultrasounds become... Uh, fantastic they can see just what kind of alien you have in there right you've seen some of those ultrasound pictures that I'm talking about but only now when you look at that ultrasound picture it doesn't look like an alien at all it actually looks human you with me you see some of these pictures and they post them on Facebook and it's like wow that's pretty amazing. We can see all of the details. And we can know a lot about that child growing in the womb. But we can't know all of those details. In Psalm 139, it's no wonder the psalmist there said that, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderfully made. Can you explain all of that? No. Don't have to. It just is. Even so you know, not the works of God who maketh all. Reminds me of something that Job wrote. Can you by searching find out God? Can you find out the Almighty unto perfection? No. You can't completely understand all that there is to understand about God. And that's okay. And so, in verse number 6, because some things just are, in the morning, sow your seed. And in the evening, withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether uh, shall prosper either this or that, or whether they be... Uh, they both shall be alike good. You don't know how everything's going to turn out. You can't explain everything that's going on in your life. You can't explain the difficulties and the challenges. All you can know is that they're there. But don't let those things 
keep you from investing in life. It's raining. The clouds are covering the earth. There are trees all over the ground in the way. I just don't understand, God, how, how life works. So therefore, I'm just going to go sit in my room and I'm going to close the door and I'm just going to watch television and I'm going to sit and sulk and pout and I'm going to say to myself, I guess this is the best there is. No. Sow. Sow your seed. Invest in life. What we see in verses 1 through 6 here really are rules for all people when it comes to living. Invest in people. Live life. Be generous, we might say, verses 1 and 2. Don't delay in doing what you know you should and could do, verses 3 and 4. Don't try to understand all of the workings of God, verse number 5. Just keep on sowing your seed, verse 6. But now we come to verse number 7. Verse number 7 is both the words cheer and holy. Truly the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. Oh, there are dark days. And it seems like there are many of them at times. Oh, but the sun is still shining. And there are so many days worth rejoicing in. Don't forget about those. And so, verse 9, young man, rejoice in your youth. He shifts gears from talking about general rules for living to specific rules for living as they relate to young people. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart, young person, cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of your heart, and in the sight of your eyes. Does that not seem, if you're a parent especially, I think, does that not seem a little bit counterintuitive to what we try to teach our children? I mean, just a little bit? Let me read that again. Walk in the ways of your heart, young person, and in the sight of your eyes. Young person, just follow your heart. Do what makes you feel good. What you see that makes you happy, just do what makes you happy. Does that, does that not strike just a little bit 
a little bit odd, just a little. I mean, not completely, but just a little bit. Does it not seem just a little bit odd? It's almost as, as if we're saying, kind of throw out wisdom and throw out judgment and throw out knowledge and just do what makes you happy. Go for the gusto. And yet that is precisely what the writer is saying. The inspired writer is saying, young people, rejoice, be full of cheer, walk or do, act, engage, do what makes you happy. Do what you want to do. Young people, you're thinking, this sounds fantastic. And you're going to go back home and say, the preacher said, I'm just going to do whatever makes me happy. And the parents are thinking, thanks a lot, preacher. Now I'm really in trouble. But! Contrast. Know thou that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. Oh, man. So I can't, you, you tricked me. I can't really do what makes me happy. I can't really do what I want to do. No, that's not what he's saying. He is genuinely saying, you do what makes you happy. Just remember that what you do that makes you happy is going to follow you. It's going to follow you. It's going to follow you around this life. It's going to follow you into college. It's going to follow you into the job. It's going to follow you into your relationships. And it's going to follow you all the way into the judgment. It's going to follow you. But guess what? That doesn't have to be a bad thing. That doesn't have to be a bad thing. I really do believe that young people need to do what this passage teaches. You say, well, I do too, because it's in the Bible. Well, what does that mean? I really believe that young people need to live their lives investing in other people, and in living their lives, investing in other people, I think they should do what makes them happy. But in living their lives, investing in other people, doing what makes them happy, must be in alignment with God's will for their life. It has to be. Because we will stand before the judgment and give an account of everything that we've done in the body. That's why Paul's words are not just for old people, but they're for all people. For we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every man may receive the things done in the body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Every person it says man there, but it's a reference to everybody. 
to men, to women, to young men, to young women, we're all going to be there. We're all going to stand before the Lord, and we're all going to give an account of what we said and what we did, all of us. And you may be a young person that appears before the judgment because we don't know the Lord could return just like that. And you might be a young person when the Lord returns. You're going to give an account. Or you may be an older person when the Lord returns. You're going to give an account. Or you may be in between. You're going to give an account. Know that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart. Just a note of the study. Therefore, going back to this idea of rejoicing, being full of cheer, walking in the ways of your heart, in the sight of your eyes, with the understanding that you are doing those things that you want to do that are pleasing to God and that there is no fear for you in standing in the judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away, this is really interesting, put away evil from your flesh. That's talking about pain. In fact, your translation may use the word pain. It's probably a better word here. And put away pain from the flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Speaking specifically to young people, your youth is not going to last very long. You're not going to be a young person forever. I'm sorry to break that, but it's just the truth. It won't last very long. And so if we are experiencing as a young person or even someone who is older, if we're experiencing pain, then we do to the very best of our ability what we can do to remove it. Because pain is a hindrance from us in being able to live a life that brings us joy and happiness. And if you're an older person who struggles with chronic pain, you could say something to a younger person who doesn't know anything about pain, how true that really is. Or if a younger person who perhaps is born having to deal with chronic pain from birth on, ask them what it's like to be hindered by their pain. And so as much as is humanly possible, try to remove that from the flesh. I think God wants us, based on this passage and others, I think God wants us to do things that are within our power to remove pain. could be a physical pain. It could be a, a mental pain or emotional pain, something that decreases our life satisfaction. I think God wants those things to be removed so that we can not only be happy, but probably serve Him more effectively. All right, let's put it all together. I asked you to underscore some words. Cast, give, walk. Cast, verse 1, give, verse 2, walk, verse 9. I've asked you to, and so, verse 6. I've asked you to circle 
The word rejoice, verse 8, verse 9. The word cheer, verse 9. I asked you to write down the words live, cheer, and holy. So if you've done that, and maybe you've kind of put this together in your own mind already, what you have is this. Live a cheerful and holy life. And in living a cheerful, holy life, you're going to be benevolent. Investing in the lives of other people. Sowing the seed. Not trying to figure God out. But sowing the seed and walking in the ways of the Lord. And you're going to do it now because... This life is not going to last very long. And if you'll do those things, you'll be full of joy. That's the preacher's words, not this preacher, that preacher. That's the preacher's words on living cheerfully and holy. Perhaps this lesson has been encouraging in some way to you. Maybe it's challenged you in some way. Maybe you, want to, maybe you want to make sure that you're living not for yourself, but you're living for others. You're, you're living a benevolent life. Maybe, maybe you realize that you've, you've been that, that, dare I say, church member who's asked, what is God in the church going to do for me, as opposed to what am I going to do for God in His church? Maybe you spent too much time looking up at the clouds and watching the rain. Not because you find that fascinating and wonderful and beautiful, but because it's getting in the way of you living. And, and you've allowed all of the things of life around you to keep you from investing in others and, and sowing that seed and doing good works. And because of all of that, you just haven't been enjoying life. Why not hit the reset button? Why not change that today? Right now. You could do that. You, you, don't, you might not even have to get out of your seat to do it. You could, you could simply ask God. You could even do it now if you wanted to. But you could ask God to, to forgive you for maybe selfishness. For looking inward instead of outward. For not finding ways to engage God forgive me and, and give me strength to do to do better I want to do better and I'm going to start that now maybe you're not a Christian that's where the cheerful joyful life really begins in Christ maybe you're not a Christian you need to become one you've got to change your mind about sin and confess your faith in Jesus as the Son of God and be immersed in water for the remission of your sins. If you'll do that, you're, you'll be a Christian. What a great life you can begin today. Think about it. If this evening's invitation is yours, make it so. Together we stand and as we sing.